Bam 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 Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Go Help Yourself. This is a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less. Maybe. We don't guarantee anything. We're not doctors. It's worth what you paid for. Which is zero bananas. That's right. That's right. So each week, uh, I'm Misty. I'm Lisa. And each week, we read and review a popular self-help book so that you can get the main points, the grand takeaways, the sweeping overviews, and sometimes wildly reductionist thinking. (laughs) To share with all your friends. Uh, the point is we're reading the book so that you don't have to. And you can go about your busy day and your busy life while still getting that perspective-altering self-help book advice that you've been craving. Yeah. That you've been wanting. That or you've been thirsting for. If you're for. like me, haven't been craving at all. Don't want. Don't want. And it keeps seeping and into the zeitgeist. I'm fine. Lisa's always fine. But, um, you know, it might be nice to, like, bring up on a cocktail party. Yeah, and listen, at least when someone's like, have you used the law of attraction lately? You can be like, let me tell you why that's Let me problematic. Tell you a little something <laughs> about the science of mind religion. Yes, and so, uh, so that's the spiel. You get it. We're here for you. Let's dive in. Lisa. Yeah. I know. I'm not, I'm not fucking around this no. morning. Also, also we cuss. <laughs> That's why there's a little E for explicit. Oh, and a little homework um, before we dive in. Oh. If you have been thinking about leaving us a rating or a review. First of all, why have you only been thinking about it? Well, hey, listen, we want to say everyone's doing the best they can. We get it. You don't have to just do a quick swipe and tap that takes three seconds. Lisa, stop making that obscene gesture across from me. I don't know what you're talking about. The point is, we for everyone who's left us reviews and ratings so far, it's so helpful because we have actually gotten a few listener emails that say, hey, I found you because I searched for self-help podcast. Yeah. And that is literally because so of the ratings and reviews. we're not just fucking blowing smoke up your ears. We are just we're two. Well, no, what I'm saying, hold on, we'll, we'll do that in one second. What I'm saying is we actually <laughs> say this because it works. We're not just like, please leave us a review because we want to know what you we think don't. about us. We, it really does help. Yeah. But it helps us as two, two amazing, very overworked, driven, overbudgeted, trying and to grow, demand. yeah, trying to grow a podcast, bitches, bitches. Um, uh, reclaiming that word, uh, who <laughs> live in LA and are um, just making this for the people. We're trying to be of service. Which is an act of service, which is, as you might know from listening, as a longtime loyal listener, is uh, one of Misty's love languages. You know, it is. And I hate that, like, even the intro, we reference like four other self-help books. So we're going to dive right in. I don't, because it shows that we've been, we're a goddamn institution. (laughs) Someday we'll be in the Smithsonian. If you're a new listener and you are still with us, God bless you. We thank you. Lisa, what do you have for us today? Hey, Misty. Hey, girl. I have a book called, I want to say it in French. I don't know why, but also I don't know how. So it's Atomic Habits. Uh, Les Habits Atomiques. Oh, my God. Maybe. Maybe. Les Habits Atomiques. I mean, an easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones by James Clear. Also, it has another subtitle. Tiny changes, remarkable results. So that oh. was confusing. But um, well, uh, hold on, hold on. I think we should say up front that 
a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. I texted you because we don't we we don't tell each other anything about the book before we present on air, except for I'm reading this book to yes. make sure we're not reading the same book. Yes. And I texted Lisa and I was like, Lisa, I'm going to read Atomic Habits for the next book. I've already started. I'm like 20 minutes into the audiobook. And Lisa was like, no, Misty, I'm I'm like three quarters of the way through. <laughs> we, ha- we had talked about it. We had talked about it, but there, look, we, we cover have, a lot. We have a lot there's going a on. Whole, there's a we couple of spreadsheets. Multiple spreadsheets, multiple e- texts and email threads. It's, We're doing the best. We're just too overworked, Disorganized. Demand, very cool and crazy. Wildly problematic. <laughs> so anyway, I listened to the first like 15 minutes of this book and was so excited. Yes. And then I stopped. Yeah. Well, you're going to want to finish it. Okay. Okay. So, um, I mean, maybe the title is Tiny Changes, Remarkable Results, Atomic Habits, An Easy and Proven Way to Build Good Habits and it's Break funny, Bad It's funny. It's like they couldn't decide they on couldn't. a subheading. So they put both in. I lo- and you know what's funny? His name's James Clear. I'd say not entirely clear so far. Uh, <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> I'm really got me. I love when I get you. I right, love it. Right from the it. get-go. So it is like a creamy white background. Yeah. Um, Atomic Habits is really cool. It's like a pixelated uh, graphic of the words Atomic Habits, and it's got all these little dots coming off of it as though it's starting to disintegrate like Infinity War. Yeah, or like a nuclear bomb has gone off. (laughs) Yeah, not unlike Infinity. What? Okay. Listen. Listen. We're doing the very best It's day two of an aggressive recording recording schedule. schedule. (laughs) I read it on my Kindle. um, Oh, great. Because I got a— I'm surprised at you. You no, like you I like do. a hard copy. I do, but this one I got. Um, oh, I had like a, a credit, like a dollar oh, yeah, eighty great. credit, and I used it for this. Amazing. Sometimes Kindle credits, like if you buy a Kindle book, they'll give you a credit for a certain yeah. type of book or kind of book title, I and love then when that. you buy that, you get another Kindle credit. So that's how they get you in. I love that. And when I listened to the first um, twenty minutes of. Atomic Habits, which is narrated by by the author. author. He's got a nice voice for anybody wondering. um, (laughs) Copyright 2018. So this just came out last year. It was an instant New York Times bestseller. It's one of Fast Company's seven best business books of 2018 and one of Business Insider's best self-help books of 2018. Amazing. Um, The hardcover is $13.60. The paperback is $14.84. The Kindle is $13.99. And Audible is $21 narrated by James Clear. Wow. Or or you can get it for one credit. And right. I think a credit is like $14.95. I bet it also is on Overdrive, but it might be a long wait. Probably. Um, it's 320 pages. So a little bit about the author. There's nothing on Wikipedia about him. I can't find anything other than on the website, his website. That's the second time this has happened to us mm-hmm. with these authors. It's confusing because I always thought everything was on Wikipedia. Well, he may have just kind of come out of nowhere. Okay. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So from jamesclear.com about James Clear. Hi there. I'm James Clear. Hi, James. I'm an American author, entrepreneur, and photographer. I'm also the guy behind jamesclear.com. If you say so. Naturally. That's what he writes in parentheses. Naturally. This website is the home of my life's work. I write about habits and human potential. The central question I'm trying to answer through my work is, how can we live better? 
In order to answer that question, I uncover the latest scientific research and explain it in a way that you can easily understand and actually use. James, that's also what we're trying to do. I know, right? I really we're like in it. alignment. As I share these science-based ideas for living a better life, I like to showcase the habits and rituals of athletes, artists, and entrepreneurs. By analyzing the stories of top performers from many different fields and understanding proven scientific principles, we can start to tease out the common characteristics that make these people the best at what they do. My specific focus is on self-improvement tips based on proven scientific research. Great. And here's an interesting note. Whenever you buy one of his books, join the Habits Academy, which is like a newsletter, or otherwise contribute to his work, 5% of the profits are donated to the AMF Against Malaria Foundation. So with each, with each donation, AMF distributes nets to protect children, pregnant mothers, and families from mosquitoes carrying malaria. And it's one of the most cost-effective ways to extend life and um, fulfills his bigger mission to spread healthy habits and help others realize their full potential. Okay, so we love him already. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I have a feeling he might be like real intense. Oh, I'm here for that. <laughs> I'd say I'd be a match made in heaven. Swipe right, James Clear. Again, there's nothing on Wikipedia. Okay, so the book <laughs> opens with a definition. Wait, a what are what are his actual credentials? Like he says he's a photographer them. and a researcher. I can't find them. Oh. That's why I'm saying. Okay. I like on his website, I don't even know what his degree is in. Oh, I don't know. That's okay. Okay. But he is so this best I think what he's good is he's a good amalgamator. Okay. Okay. So atomic is an extremely small amount of a thing, the single irreducible unit of a larger system, the source of immense energy or power. Hmm. Habit, a routine or practice performed regularly. Great. So my first impressions, this book made some big promises, but I like that it's a science-backed approach. And after reading his introduction and his story, which I bet you mm-hmm. were hooked in, I yes. also was bought in. That's so, that's what he's qualified for. I think so. So basically, yeah. he had this terrible accident at baseball practice on the last day of sophomore year in high school. He was hit in the head with a bat, like straight to the face. Yeah. Um, in high school, it's a it's a very detailed description if you're if you're into it. And yeah. he had this long struggling road of recovery. Basically, his brain swelled and he almost died and he got airlifted to the hospital. Yes. Yeah. His commitment to small habits, mostly in college at Denison while he played for the baseball team there, made his success possible. As each semester passed, he accumulated small but consistent habits that led to unimaginable results. So this is in his words. Six years after I had been hit in the face with a baseball bat, flown to the hospital and placed into a coma, I was selected as the top male athlete at Denison University and named to the ESPN Academic All-America team, an honor given to just 33 players across the country. Mm. By the time I graduated, I was listed in the school records books in eight different categories. That same year, I was awarded the university's highest academic honor, the President's Medal. We all face challenges in life. This injury was one of mine, and the experience taught me a critical lesson. Changes that seem small and unimportant at first will compound into remarkable results if you're willing to stick with them for years. Mm -hmm. We all deal with setbacks, but in the long run, the quality of our lives often depends on the quality of our habits. With the same habits, you'll end up with the same results. But with better habits, anything is possible. I love that. And after after his injury, he also mentions he was cut from the baseball team. He, he couldn't really. Junior, yeah, he, he had to, to kind of learn to walk a little bit again. It was a like, traumatic brain injury. So the fact that he was then named like college yeah. athlete of the year or whatever that yeah. was is huge. So this book is like a roadmap to building better habits. It's understanding the science behind how habits are formed and broken and how you can take control of that through the four laws that he will give us. Amazing. He says it's not a research paper. It's more like an operating manual 
which I kind of like that. Uh, he draws on biology, neuroscience, philosophy, psychology, physics. It's STEM on steroids. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know I'm here for this. Yeah. And he basically synthesizes all the knowledge across disciplines as it relates to habits and makes it actionable, which is really cool. I love that. He says, my contribution, I hope, is to find the ideas that matter most and connect them in a way that is highly actionable. Anything wise in these pages, you should credit to the many experts who precede me. Anything, Thank you. Anything foolish, assume it is my error. Thank you. Oh, I love this culpability. Yes. 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 So he says, the backbone of this book is my four-step model of habits— Cue, craving, response, and reward. We'll talk about that later. And the four laws of behavior change that evolve out of these steps. So he really went like pragmatically what forms a habit and how can we create habit laws that will that will basically kind of like not hijack but take advantage of your body's um, brain forming of habits. This is my favorite kind of book. <laughs> I know. It I don't is. know if you can see. I don't, those listening cannot see how my face is lit Her up, eyes but are I can. White. My eyes are so wide. Um, he says, "I believe it is one of the first models of human behavior to ac- accurately account for both the influence of external stimuli and internal emotions on our habits. Human behavior is always changing, situation to situation, moment to moment, second to second. But this book is about what doesn't change." It's about the fundamentals of human behavior, the lasting principles you can rely on year after year, the ideas you can build a business around, build a family around, build a life around. There is no one right way to create better habits, but this book describes the best way I know, an approach that will be effective regardless of where you start or what you're trying to change. So all of this is fantastic, right? He's meeting us where we're at. He is. So by this point, I'm definitely bought in. And though even I can't find anything online that talks about his expertise or education, like I buy his premise. I do too. And once I heard his personal story, I forgot about that story when we were talking about the intro. I was like, oh, this is a man who had to like rehabilitate himself after a traumatic brain injury and has gone on to do amazing things. Yeah. I'm going to trust that experience. I do want to give a caveat. Great. He falls definitely kind of short on um, a multitude of habit examples. Okay. He sticks pretty much with like, you're overweight, you need to lose weight. Oh. You um, are in debt, you need to cut back on spending. You, uh, um, you're lazy, you need to get off the couch. You know what I mean? Like, oh. they're kind of very narrow in in that regard. There's just, okay. they, there's very few that are- They're lacking more creativity or nuance? Yeah, and also the presumption that everybody who is not thin needs to be thin. Right, right, right. Or everybody who doesn't work out regularly needs to work out So it, it's operating on an assumed value system really that is. is probably not true it for all, everybody. That, correct. Yeah. It also doesn't address- any kind of societal, cultural oppression. God damn it. That would inhibit. In a sense, he's taking like, what can you do? You know, so in like your in your situation. own environment, which is fine. But, you know, he never addresses like, he's like, go to the gym that's on your way to work. Don't don't go to the gym that's three blocks out of your way to work because you're creating an obstacle for that. But it's like, well, that assumes that you have a limitless resource of choice and time. You or know that what I there's mean? two gyms on your way to work or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Or that you can bring yourself mentally to get into a gym because I can't and I won't and yeah. I refuse. So stuff like that. Yeah. Um, he, he is really just looking at like the science and building of habits. Okay. He is so if not- you can read it. With a little of your own imagination and, and just look at the science of it. ignoring the fact that a an educated, 
privileged white man yeah. thinks that everybody needs to be thin, debt-free, yeah. and constantly exercising. Okay. okay. Great. I'd rather be exercising my mind. Well, listen, I just— I, <laughs> Well, I mean, <laughs> just be aware of that, right? Like, yeah. the number of times that I had to mentally— deal with the fat phobia was oh. kind of enormous. Do you know what that I mean? sucks. It does. That reminds me of Dave Ramsey, the total money makeover. He kept using... Flabby budgets. Yeah. Do you, is your bank account flabby? Get it in shape. And it's like, why is that a thing that everybody goes to? That doesn't have to be the thing. Well, that it's everybody... just baked into our culture. <clears throat> yeah. Jensen Chero did it too. Yeah. Everybody anyway. does for self-help. Anyway. Okay. So the book is organized into six parts. One uh, part, the first is the fundamental, the fundamentals, why tiny changes make a big difference. And this is why he's really helping you understand how creating a habit is, is life-changing. Great. We're going to spend more time on that. Great. Um, and then the first law, make it obvious. The second law, make it attractive. The third law, make it easy. And the fourth law, make it satisfying. These are the four laws of um, how to make uh, Attractive, easy, satisfying. What was the first one? Uh, obvious. Obvious, so we'll, attractive, easy, satisfying. We'll talk about those in less detail. This book is so full of anecdotes and research and um, examples that I cannot do it an, an ounce of justice. So I'm going to just skim some Great. basic principles. And just know that it goes way deeper than that. But if you're interested at this point, you need to buy the book. Yeah. Because, yeah, it goes I so I already, deep. even though I was like, okay, I'm stopping reading this book. You can't wait. I cannot wait to read yeah. this book. Um, and, the and then it has some advanced tactics um, which are called How to Go from Being Merely, Merely Good to Being Truly Great, and then Appendix, Acknowledgements, and an Index. Which, as I'm thinking of it, goes directly against what Stephen King says in his book on writing, mm -hmm. which to me felt like the most condescending. Like, I know people love that book if you're a writer, but like, I hated that book. Mm -hmm. And he was like, people who are only good writers can never become great. And I was like, go fuck yourself. That's not true at all. And so it sounds like this guy saying, like, even if you're just good, you can become great. Yes. He says that you, you, you can. You can. Yeah. Stephen King was like, it will never happen. I think we should put them in a, like a ring together and see who wins. Ooh. I feel like Pennywise would show up. Okay. Ooh. So, um, great. The fundamentals. Why tiny changes make a big difference. So he starts off by telling a story of a new performance. I'm, I'm going to tell this story because this one is helpful. Here for it. Um, there's a new director that comes in for British Cycling. British Cycling um, has had like a hundred years of no success. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and his approach was called the aggregation of marginal gains, meaning if you broke down every single thing that goes into riding a bike, the seat, the tires, the spokes on the tires, mm -hmm. the grips, mm -hmm. the clothes you wear, mm -hmm. the, you know, the clips, yeah. um, and improve each thing just 1%, mm -hmm. you'll get a significant increase when you put them all together. Okay. So the, he says after 100 years of mediocrity, just five years after this new director took over British Cycling, they won 60% of the gold medals available at the 2000 Olympic Games in Beijing. Holy shit. So uh, they just the, the, it was the accumulation of these things that made the results ha happen faster than anyone had imagined. So from hundred years of mediocrity to like five years and then nine years of incredible gains. And I remember from this because this is just before I stopped listening. 
sponsors would not put their names no. on the Brit. Like they wouldn't sell bikes to the British cycling team because they were worried they'd lose business because yeah. they were so bad. That's right. So he says, it's so easy to overestimate the importance of one defining moment and underestimate the value of making small improvements on a daily basis. Yes. Too often we convince ourselves ourselves that massive success requires massive action. Mm -hmm. But he breaks it down with math. If you can get 1% better each day for one year, you'll end up 37 times better by the time you're done. Oh, Conversely, if you get 1% worse each day for a year, you'll decline nearly down to zero. Oh my God. What starts as a small win or a minor setback accumulates into something so much more. Habits are the compound interest of self-improvement. The same way that money multiplies through compound interest, the effects of your habits multiply as you repeat them. Unfortunately, her face is blown. She's I am blown away. so excited. Unfortunately, the slow pace of transformation also makes it easy to let a bad habit slide. Mm. But when we repeat 1% errors day after day by replicating poor decisions, duplicating tiny mistakes, and rationalizing little excuses, our small choices compound into toxic results. Oh. It's the accumulation of many missteps, a 1% decline here and there that eventually leads to a problem. He, and here's another example of a story. He says, a plane taking off from L.A. to New York, mm -hmm. if the pilot just does a three-and-a-half-degree difference at the start, the we'll end up in D.C. Oh, my it's God. It's a tiny start, a tiny you know, mistake at the beginning. Right. Here's the thing. He makes it sound like, oh, my God, you're going to end up destitute in a flop house in Duluth, right? Like, right, if like you have bad Dan habits. Dan Harris. Right, right, right. Thank say, you. Right? But, you know, that—, that is not necessarily true. Yeah. But also, he's highlighting, like, the power of habits, good and bad, yeah, right? Yeah. And it sounds really powerful. It's also, he assumes that your bad habit happens every day. That right. That if you don't right, floss, right, right. you never floss. Right. And that's not right. true. Right. We, none of us floss every day like our dentist Well, he's wants. saying the accumulation of bad habits. Yeah. Right. But, you know, instead yeah. of flossing every day, if you floss every three days, it's not it's not the yeah. end of the world. So right, right, right. So he's kind of painting this doomsday, which is the other thing. It's like, as a person who's looked at a lot of these self-help books, I was yeah. like, buddy, choose one. Like, choose yeah. people to focus on one, and then your second book can be about bad habits. Right. Because right now, the anxiety that you can create in people kind of can make them feel paralyzed. He's a yes. very pragmatic person. Yeah. And so I feel like he was like, oh, I have the um, I have the ability to unlock this power. I will do A, B, and C, and that's fine. Yeah. And I feel like he really doesn't understand a person who feels overwhelming anxiety easily. Yeah. Who's like— well, I've had 30-some years of my life of practicing this bad habit. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my right. God. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I do. And it, it's interesting because sometimes I think that's an editorial thing. Yeah. Where someone's like, you need to tell them why they need this book. And it's not just the positive effects. It's the dun-dun-dun of the, the flip side of it, right? I mean, if he would have made this a second book, he would have had, like, $2 billion. Right. right. But the other thing is when he first— said, if you just do a 1% change each day, I just thought, that's a relief. Yeah. It's a relief not to think, like, yeah. I have to somehow go out and run a marathon no. if I want to become a better runner. It's no. like, My no. friend Tim Davis, who I hope will come in and talk about Brazilian jiu-jitsu that Come he in, Tim. He, um, that's his goal, is just to get 1% better every day. That's great. Yeah. I love it. Um, so be far more concerned with your current trajectory than with your current results. Which is kind of a relief. So process-oriented, not product-oriented. Yes. Your outcomes okay. are a lagging measure of your of your habits. 
Okay. Right? Yeah. So where I am now is a direct result of what my habits have been. It's like what you said when we were reviewing the book Grit by Angela Duckworth. You said when you are finally at that performance day, whether it's like a race or a theater performance or whatever, you don't suddenly like have a breakthrough on stage and become this amazing performer. You fall back to the highest level of your training. Tim Davis, I think he probably read this book. He also said that to amazing. me as well. Yeah. So um, – there's so much good stuff in the top here. I mean, it's it's could have been its own book because we've read enough books to be like, I mean, there could have been more. And like yeah. this fundamentals could have been its own book. He could right. have written three books. You really, you fucked he up He really here. should have taken a young James adult Clear. trilogy approach. Jimmy. Okay. Um, forget about goals <laughs> and focus on systems instead. The <laughs> Atomic Hunger Games. <laughs> Where good habits and bad habits fight to decimate each other. Atomic Twilight. (laughs) (laughs) Where werewolves get 1% better each day. 1% more sparkly. (laughs) Vampires are sparkly. Excuse me. Okay, you need to read Twilight. Okay. um, Prevailing wisdom claims that the best way to achieve what we want in life is to set specific actionable goals. Right? Yep, I agree. He says, eventually, I began to realize that my results had very little to do with the goals I set and nearly everything to do with the systems I followed. So goals are about the results you want to achieve, and systems are about the processes that lead to those results. Mm-hmm. So we can want whatever you know we dream, but it's about those little processes that will get us there that are yes. more important. Yes. If you want better results, forget about setting goals. Focus on your system instead. You do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your system. There it is. Thank you. So atomic habits are habits part of a larger system. He's like, envision a target with, uh, so I want you to envision like a target, a bullseye, right? It's there. It's in my mind's eye. Identity is in the center. Uh Process is in the middle ring and outcomes are on the outer ring. Oh. So outcome-based habits are based on what you want to achieve. Yeah. Moving um, from uh, outward into the target. Yeah. Outcome, then process, then identity. Yeah. And identity-based habits are based on who you want to become, starting with identity, moving to process, then to outcome. That's the why. He says most people don't even consider identity change when they set out to improve. But the ultimate form of intrinsic motivation is when a habit becomes part of your identity. Yeah, because I want to be a disciplined, hardworking person. So that's important to me to get out of bed every day and do X, Y, Z. Well, it's one thing to say that you're the type of person who wants to be a disciplined, hardworking person. It's a different thing, very different thing to say. You're the type of person who is a disciplined, wow. hardworking person. That feels really powerful. True behavior change is identity change. So he says, of course, it works the opposite way, too. Every time you choose to perform a bad habit, it's a vote for that identity. So, like, he does this great stuff, and then he's like, Wait, say that last sentence again? So it works the same way, too. Every time you do a bad habit, it's a vote for that bad identity. Oh, my God. Also, he uses good and bad in here and then is like, but it's nothing is good or bad. And So, so he's really, like setting up a dichotomy and then he's like, but there's all shades of gray. <laughs> Actually, no. He's setting up like, um, yes, in that sense. But then he's just like, here's how you form a good habit. Here's how you form a good habit. Also, this is how bad habits are formed. Oh, okay. You do the same thing with bad habits. I... You know, it's interesting. I, I actually, before you got to the bad habits part, just the like... Yeah. The identity thing. I'm having an emotional reaction to that. What is your emotional reaction? I, it's, 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 I'm feeling, it feels powerful. Yes. It feels scary. Yes. And it feels like the gravitas of it 
is big, right? I am a person who moves through life in this way. It's a totally different change than like, I want to be be a runner. But if it's like, I am a person who gets up every day to do something because I love myself, that I don't know. I think like that's the idea that I'm responding to. Well, I feel like you're combining a couple books too. Like, because I love myself is all like- No, um, no, no. Like like saying like, I am a person who loves myself. So I will give myself the space in the morning to be grounded or, you know, whatever that is. Sure. It's just, I'm having a reaction to that because it's powerful and it's scary. Yes. I will say, I never once heard him in the book say that the identity comes from loving yourself. No, 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 no. I'm saying if if that's my thing. Yes. But yeah, we all project our own experience on it, but that's what I'm saying is like, or if it's like, oh, I am a disciplined person, so I get up every single day. Like, that's still really powerful and scary because you have to embrace that identity. Well, change is difficult, and changing your identity is terrifying. It's terrifying. So then he gives these four rules for habits to help make it possible. Lay it on me. So yes, I didn't mean to say that you were, I wasn't challenging your experience. I just wanted to make sure that people understood that that's not what Yeah, you, I'm just saying, I, as I I'm listening to this, that's what's coming up for I me. And I'm it. curious for everybody listening, like, what yeah. do you hear when you hear this? So here's, we're going to spend a little bit of time in the science of how habits work. Okay. And you are going to... Stem out. Stem! The process of building a habit can be divided into four simple steps. And Misty, I have a visual aid for you. Simple steps. Lisa has so many papers in front of her, you guys. Oh, she's wrestling her papers and she's looking at me knowingly. (laughs) Well, I just wanted wanted to to bring you into the studio with us. Wow, Lise, what's what's happening? First, there is a cue. Well, the four simple steps, cue, craving, response, and reward. So first, there is a cue. The cue triggers your brain to initiate a behavior. Okay. Cravings are the second step, and they are the motivational force behind every habit. Without some level of motivation or desire, without without craving a change, we have no reason to act. Right. What you crave is not the habit itself, but the change in state it delivers. Okay. Right? Yes. So the thoughts, feelings, and emotions of the observer are what transform a cue into a craving. Okay. So like a cue is that the temperature drops. Mm-hmm. Your craving is that you want to be warm. Yes. Right? And your thought or feeling, my feeling is I'm cold. Mm-hmm. And that makes you uh, crave heat, right? Yeah. And so that drives you to take action. So that then makes that's sense. my response. Is the, the third action. step is the response. Ah. Whether a response occurs depends on how motivated you are and how much friction is associated with the behavior. Okay. So if a particular action requires more physical or mental effort than you're willing to expand, then you won't do it. So if you're mm-hmm. on the couch and the temperature drops and a blanket is right there. Grab that blanket. Yeah. If you're on the couch and it's late at night and you're sleepy, you might just like pull your arms in really close and snuggle <laughs> yep. in. Does yeah. that make sense? Oh, yeah. Especially okay. if you got that perfect position. Yes. I'm not moving. Where, like, you kind of You can pry this couch out of my cold, dead hands. That's right. <laughs> um, finally, the response delivers a reward. Rewards are the end goal of every habit. Mm-hmm. We chase rewards because they serve two purposes. They satisfy us and they teach us. Rewards close the feedback loop and complete the habit cycle. So cue, craving, Response, reward. And it's this loop. Mm -hmm. If behavior is insufficient in any of the four stages, it will not become a habit. If what is? 
if the behavior, if a behavior uh-huh. is insufficient in any four of these stages, it will not become a habit. Wow. So this four-step process is not something that happens occasionally, but rather it is an endless feedback loop oh, that is, is running anxiety and inducing during every moment you are alive, even now. The brain is continually scanning the environment, predicting what will happen. Her face is hilarious. <laughs> predicting what will happen next, trying out different responses and learning from our results. So this is horrifying. This is like when you not. realize that laundry always needs to be done <laughs> it's not because horrifying. you're wearing clothes every day. It's not horrifying because this is how we make sense of the world and how we move through the world without well, being for in a sure, constant state of Sure, but it's like, oh, cool. I'm gonna. I'm my heart rate has risen. Great. So this you're is having a, a cue. And my craving is to never need to do anything. Great. And so my response is going to be to sit here quietly, try to calm down, and the reward will be that I will wither away and die in this chair. Yeah. I don't think that's a habit that you're Oh, that's not how it works? That's no. A, well, you're not. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no. Felt like I nailed it. Yeah. Well, no. Okay. So um, so we split the four steps into two two phases, the problem phase and the solution phase. So the problem is the cue and the craving. Okay. And the solution is the response and the reward. Does oh, that make okay. sense? Mm-hmm. So all behavior is driven by the desire to solve a problem. Okay. So here we go. I'm going to walk you through a, a habit loop that you've done so many times in your life. Put me on that leash. Walk me. Imagine walking into a dark room and flipping on a light switch. Yes, I'm there. You've already performed... The four stages. What? Hold on. You've done this habit so many times it occurs without thinking. You proceeded through all four stages in the fraction of a second. The urge to act strikes you without thinking. Example, problem phase. One, cue. You hit a, uh, one, cue. You walk into a dark room. It's dark. Uh I want to see. Two, craving you want to see. Three, uh, response. You turn on the light. Four, reward. The light is on. You can see. Oh, my God. Here's an, exa- here's an example uh, at work. Problem phase. Problem phase. One, cue. You hit a stumbling block on a project at work. Uh-huh. Two, craving. You feel stuck and want to relieve your frustration. Yep. Moving into the solution phase. You Three, go outside. Response. <laughs> you pull out your phone and check social media. Oh. Four, reward. You satisfy your craving to feel relieved. Checking social media becomes associated with feeling stalled at work. Oh. See that little loop? And then you spend more, and then you get your screen report for the week, and it's like, you spent 16 hours online today. And you're well, like, that's what? A different, that's a different set. Oh. But that loop. Am I not getting it? That loop happens. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So I do. these habit loops happen all the time because our brain, the human brain, is constantly trying to make patterns and and figure out and just associate and get rewards and seek comfort. And well, I don't. Yeah, I mean, we're all behavior changes driven by reward, but it isn't like reward me like reward me cha ching. I want money, but reward me in that I'm trying to make sense of my world. Yeah, and I have a cue and a trigger. I solved a problem somehow. Yeah. Okay. And can I do it again? Yeah. Can I make sense out of my world by doing it again? Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Great. Uh, so here are the four laws of behavior change. When the levers are in the right positions, creating good habits is effortless, he says. Eh. Okay. When they are in the wrong positions, it's nearly impossible. What are the levers? Uh, How to create a good habit. First law is the cue. Make Mm -hmm. it obvious. Okay. Second law is the craving. Make it attractive. Okay. Third law, response. Make it easy. Okay. Fourth law, reward. Make it satisfying. Okay. 
Now, obvious, easy, attractive, satisfying. We can invert these laws to learn how to break a bad habit. Okay. This is kind of where the book is actually really powerful. Oh, great. How to break a bad habit, inversion of the first law, the cue, make it invisible. Okay. Inversion of the second law, craving, make it unattractive. Yeah. Inversion of the third law, response, make it difficult. And inversion of the fourth law, reward, make it unsatisfying. Misty's face is, I wish you guys My brain is, please keep going. I have to know. I'm having a craving for information. information. Reward me, Lise. So I cued you. Yeah, you did. And you had a craving. Oh, I'm cued up, baby. I'm going to... Respond, respond oh, and give you a get reward. That sweet, sweet reward. That's why you love self help. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the first law: make it obvious. Mm-hmm. So the human brain is a prediction machine. It's constantly and continuously taking in surroundings and analyzing the information it comes across. Yes. And you don't need to be aware of the cue for a habit to begin. This is what makes habits useful. It's also what makes them dangerous. Okay. <laughs> One of our greatest challenges in changing habits is maintaining awareness of what we're actually doing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the origin of the habit scorecard, which is a simple exercise you can use to become more aware of your behavior to create your own, make your list of daily habits. This oh, is man. your homework. This dude. Oh, oh, he loves homework. Okay. Oh, Lisa's handing me like a packet. You guys, it's, Lisa, it's, it's a packet. Just, it's two pages, Misty. <sighs> <laughs> what happened to my friend who fucking loves homework? Please hand it to me. Mm-hmm. This is, I'm handing you the habit scorecard. It's a simple method you can use to become more self aware and notice habits and behaviors that you can overlook. All right. So um, you start by making a list of your daily habits. You start at the beginning of your day and write down each habit you do wake up, turn off your alarm, make your bed, brush your teeth, et cetera, whatever those are. Okay. You make them. You can make this as long, as short as you would like, but he finds that longer and more comprehensive lists are more effective. Once you have a full list for your whole day, you look at each behavior and ask yourself, is this a good habit, bad habit, or neutral habit? Oh. I don't like this language, but okay. if it's a good habit, you write a plus sign next to it. If it's a bad habit, you write a minus next to it. And if it's a neutral habit, you write an equals next to it. Okay. And he says, if you're having trouble determining how to rate a particular habit, here's a question he likes to use. Does this behavior help me become the type of person I wish to be? Does this habit cast a vote for or against my desired identity? Habits that reinforce your desired identity are generally good, and habits that conflict with your desired identity are generally bad. When creating your habit scorecard, there's no need to change anything at first. The goal of this exercise is not to change your behavior, even for the bad habits. It's just to simply notice what's actually going on. And then the next is a list with your daily habits and then the scorecard. That sounds like a really good self-awareness exercise. Here's my question. Yeah. In the book, because it sounds like you have to know the kind of identity that you want, like your ideal person that you want to be. Just the habit. Right. But does it does it play into the identity that you want is what he's saying. So yeah. does he walk you through how to... So so you're starting with a huge list of, of habits. No, in the book. I know. Okay. So I'm answering your question. So you start with just a huge list of habits, right? Okay. And then what he's saying is with that you would choose whatever habit you want to create or break. Do you want to stop smoking? Do you want to... So your identity will not be one thing, but be a million things based on your habits. So if you want to be a non-smoker, then you'll look at these and say, does this habit 
match the identity of a non-smoker? If you want to be a runner, does this habit that you have match the identity of a runner? Right, so identity- right. Well, that, that's what I'm saying is he says, does this behavior help me become the type of person I wish to be? And that's does this around habit, a habit. Does, not the, a, yeah. does this habit cast a vote for or against my desired identity? So mm-hmm. it sounds like you have to know what your desired identity is before you do this. But the identity is around a habit, not a whole person. Right. But my point yes. is you have to know. Yeah, the first thing is you habit. have to know your desired identity identity in some shape or form before you start this. Let's be clear. The identity he's talking about is around a habit, a particular habit, not a whole identity as a person. Right. So, but the point is, if I haven't sat down and gone, I want to be a person who's disciplined. I cannot then filter these habits through that lens if I don't know that beforehand. So I'm asking, does he help you no. determine or give prompts about what types of no? Because identity? I and I think and I don't think he would say that that's a specific habit. I don't think he would say that disciplined is a specific habit. Disciplined about what? About doing your laundry? About making your lunch? Do you see what I'm saying? He the the habits he's talking about are super specific, not just disciplined. Does that make sense? So desired identity means a habit? I'm confused about the terms here. I am a non-smoker. I am a person who runs every morning. That's what I've been saying. Like your identity oh, about one habit. That Okay, that's helpful. Yes. That's the context I was missing. That's right. So okay. your identity about one habit. Okay. Okay. And you would do that multiple times for each habit or to break each right. habit. Okay. That's yeah. very helpful. Yeah, so, yeah, you yeah. Ha- so you do have to know that going in. Yeah, but I mean, I think we all at least have some idea like, of a good Like, I want to be a person who cooks three times a week. So yeah. does me ordering out five nights last week help? No, it does not. Yeah. Like, it's a minus sign. Yeah. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Great. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. So that's your homework. Great. And people, if you join his list at jamesclear.com, if you join the Atomic Habits, whatever, you can download this for free. But also, I mean, the book is, if you get the Kindle book or access the book, you can get it for free too, Great, I think. great. So he says, there are no good habits or b- bad habits, only effective habits. Oh. Which I was like, mm, but you just said and good or bad. So why didn't you just say effective or non-effective? Why did you make me go through good or bad? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. He's kind of pivoting in the middle. Right. Um, broadly speaking, the format for creating an implementation intention is, this is, I'm kind of skipping a little. So uh, when situation X arises, I will perform response Y. So once you know the habit you'd like to create, now we're getting into the simple um, way to apply the strategy to your habits is to fill out this sentence. I will insert behavior at blank time in blank location. This is how you get super specific. Okay. So if you want to be a person who cooks three nights a week, uh-huh. you would say, I will cook uh, cook at on Monday, Wednesday, Friday in my kitchen. Okay. Right? Okay. At 5, 5 p.m. or 5.30, whenever it is. I will cook dinner at 5.30 uh, p.m. on Monday, Wednesday, Friday in my kitchen. I would kill to be off of work and at home cooking at 5.30. Do so you see what I'm saying? Or yeah. I will cook dinner for myself for three nights this week on, on. Sunday uh-huh. at 6 p.m. Yep. Do you see what I'm yep. saying? I do. Mm-hmm. So um, you're at applying the strategy of uh, uh, creating an implementation there. Okay. Then he talks about habit stacking. Oh. Which is interesting. It's a simple plan to overhaul your habits. So you often decide what to do next based on what you've just finished doing. Going to the bathroom leads to washing and drying your hands, which reminds you to need to put dirty towels in the laundry, Mm -hmm. et cetera, right? So So it sounds like the snowball effect of emotional labor. (laughs) 
It the does. mental load. It does. Mm-hmm. So no behavior happens in isolation, and each action becomes a cue that triggers the next behavior. Oh, wow. So why is this important? Well, when it comes to building new habits, you can use the kineticness of behavior to your advantage. Okay. He says that one of the best ways to build a new habit is to identify a current habit you already do each day and stack your new behavior on top. Oh. This is called habit stacking. It's momentum. So rather than pairing your new habit with a particular time, like I want to cook dinner on Saturday night right? yeah, or whatever pair it with a current habit so the habit stacking formula is after insert current habit I will new habit so say that you on Sundays go grocery shopping mm-hmm. so after I grocery shop on Sundays I will prepare three meals oh so much do you see yes. what I'm saying I do and you want to know my favorite habit stacking for anything mm-hmm I will put laundry in, and while the laundry's going, I will X, Y, Z. Yes. Because it's like— You were kind of stuck there. Laundry's going, and I'm going to check those emails right there. So yeah. here's here's an example. If you want to start meditating, after I pour my cup of coffee each morning, I will meditate for one minute. Because he's nice. like, you're not going to miss your cup of coffee in the morning, and you can stack them That's together. That's So the, the key is to— d- to tie your desired behavior into something to addiction you, yes to something you already do each day example addiction you're not going to miss that caffeine fix and then he says once you've mastered this basic structure you can begin to create larger stacks by chaining small habits together so your cue should also have the same frequency as your desired habit so if you want to do a habit every day but you stack it on top of a habit that only happens on mondays that's not a good choice i really like this yeah this feels like a smart tool. So there's a great section on how motiv- motivation is overrated and environment matters more. So that okay. changes in your environment are better at stimulating your habits because we're also primed for visual cues. So if you want to remember to take your medication each night, put your pill bottle next to the faucet on the bathroom counter. Yes. Right? If you yes. want to practice guitar more frequently, place your guitar stand in the middle of your living room. Make it easy. Yes, exactly. And obvious. And, right, obvious and easy. Do you know what I did that I – well, I did. I'm in the process of that I haven't actually done yet. I thought that it would be really nice to have a visual accountability system. Mm-hmm. So I bought one of those giant desk calendars mm-hmm. that I'm planning on, like, putting on my bedroom wall. Mm-hmm. So every day I can wake up and see, like, I'll, like, I'll circle the day if I, like, did my vocal warm up mm-hmm. and took a nice long walk and meditated. We you know, about so that in this. Mm-hmm. oh really? He does. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's exciting. Tracking habits. Um, okay, cues that trigger habit can start out very specific, but over time, your habits become associated with not a single trigger, but the entire context surrounding the behavior. Okay. Yeah. So, like, that helps. That helps reinforce the habit. Yeah. Right. So here's a cool thing. So in Vietnam, um, n- about a third of the vets there. Uh, between 20 and 30 percent were exposed to or did heroin. Oh, my God. Because it was so easy, right? Yeah. Um, and typically, 90 percent of heroin users become re-addicted once they return return home from rehab. Wow. But Vietnam soldiers who were addicted to heroin, about 20 percent, came home, and only 5 percent became addicted within a year. Why? And only 12 percent within three years. They basically cured their heroin addiction overnight. And this ran counter to many of our cultural beliefs about bad habits because it challenged the conventional association of unhealthy behavior as a moral weakness. Like if you're overweight, a smoker, an addict, you've been told your entire life it's because you lack self-control. Maybe you're a bad person. And the idea that a little bit of discipline would solve this. But it was the context. It was so accessible when they were over there. They did it with their friends. And that because of all the stress or or whatever, they literally changed their entire environment. And so few of them had all the cues. Wow. Yeah. That's really interesting. Isn't it? And that sounds like a caveat to 
what you were bumping against in the beginning of the book a little bit. A little bit, but that's the only place. It's not a full culpa, It's the right? only place. Yeah. And then he doesn't – it is in that he was – he says, like, this, but also just the premise that if you don't weigh – quote unquote a perfect weight you should lose weight right yeah that doesn't ever go away right Um, so he said instead disciplined people are just better at structuring their lives in a way that doesn't require heroic willpower and self-control thank you they spend less time in tempting situations the people with the best self-control are typically the ones who need to use it the least it's easier to practice self-restraint when you don't have to use it very often here's the punchline you can break a habit but you're unlikely to forget it so if you get back into that context and that cue like people who haven't smoked for years but get back into the context right, of where they smoke right, will right, pick right. it up again. This is this is really exciting. Yeah, and it so, feels liberating because instead of going like, oh, man, I'm just a bad person. I'm bad at this. These other people have figured it out. It's like, no, we all have the same sort of human behavioral instincts. Some people but they're the making it easier on them ability to, to do that. Wow. Some people can move out of the neighborhood. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Depending yes. on depending on the context of the yes. habit. Yes. But it is really nice to go, oh, okay, like it's not that I'm a it's horrible just, person because yeah. I can't get out of bed. It's in just the an inversion it's, of the first law. Right. They've made it invisible. Right. And that's not fair to say too, because there are, you know, addiction is chemical, right? right? But one of the things that is part of this feedback loop is that the cue comes, and mm-hmm. we've, we're already in that habit feedback loop. Yeah. So once the cue comes, the craving comes, yeah. right? So yeah. he often says here, too, that um, cocaine addicts get a surge of dopamine when they see the powder, not when they take it. What? Yeah. So this is we're moving into the second law. Make it attractive. Okay. So if you want to increase the odds that a behavior will occur, you need to make it attractive. So we have to understand what a craving is and how it works. So scientists have tracked the precise moment a craving occurs by measuring dopamine, right? Mm -hmm. Habits are a dopamine-driven feedback loop. Mm -hmm. Every behavior that is highly habit-forming, taking drugs, eating junk food, playing video games, browsing social media, it's associated with higher levels of dopamine. And the same can be said for our most basic habitual behaviors like eating food, drinking water, having sex, and interacting socially. Okay. So when it comes to habits, the key takeaway is this. Dopamine is released not only when you experience pleasure, but also when you anticipate it. Yeah, it is. So gambling yeah, addicts is. have a dopamine spike right before they place a bet, mm-hmm. not after they win. Mm-hmm. Cocaine, cocaine addicts get the surge of dopamine when they see the powder, not after they take it. When dopamine rises, so does your motivation to act. It's the anticipation of the reward, not the fulfillment of it. Oh, my God. That gets us to take the action, right? So your brain has far more neural circuitry allotted for wanting rewards than for liking them. Oh, my God. So we talked about this in the upside of your dark side. Yes. Wanting and liking are two separate areas of the brain. Yeah. But we often associate them together. We think that they're the same thing. Yeah. Okay. And also, Esther Perel covers this a lot in her books, Mating in Captivity and the State of Affairs. Amazing. Desire versus— Yes. The actual, like, it seems so much more tempting. Well, you can't desire something that you have. 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 That's and the right. desire is where all that comes into play. So temptation bundling works by linking an action you want to do with an action you need to do. Mm-hmm. You're far more likely to find a behavior attractive if you get to do one of your favorite things at the same time. He said, perhaps you want to hear about the latest celebrity gossip, but you need to get in shape. Using temptation bundling, you could only read tabloids and watch reality shows at the gym. I did this a long time ago, but it made <laughs> me hate tabloids. Oh, no. <laughs> Which is also not so bad. And so instead of you being like, I love the gym because I get to read tabloids. You were like, I fucking hate tabloids because I'm always on the goddamn treadmill. That's exactly right. Oh, that's really funny. 
That it so, backfired. So now you've got habit stacking <laughs> and temptation bundling. So that formula is after insert current habit, I will insert habit I need. Mm-hmm. After insert habit I need, I will insert habit I want. Okay. Right? So okay. after I brush my teeth, I will remember to take my pills. Uh-huh. After I remember to take my pills, I will do a face treatment. Okay. Does that make sense? Okay. So um, so is that sort of you giving yourself the reward? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're just – you're temptation bundling and habit yeah, stacking yeah, yeah, together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're kind of using all of I that. I like that. Um, okay. So hustling through the third law, make it easy. Basically, he's just like – He makes this difference between being in motion and taking action. These things sound similar, but they're not the same. Motion is planning and strategizing and learning, but action is actually doing the thing. So um, if you want to master a habit, the key is to start with repetition, not perfection. Okay. Habit formation is the process by which behavior becomes progressively more automatic through repetition. The more you repeat an activity, the more structure of your brain changes to become efficient at that activity. Mm -hmm. This is the neurons that fire together, wire together. We've heard that before, yep. right? Yeah. So neuroscientists call this long-term potentiation. It's strengthening the neurons and the connections when we do Great. that. So each time you repeat an action, you're activating a particular neural circuit associated with that habit. Mm-hmm. Okay. So and um, you just got to put your reps in. So he says, one of the most common questions I hear is, how long does it take to build a new habit? just about to ask that. Because we've heard 21 days. We've heard 90 days. What he says is that people should really be asking is, how many does it take to to form a new habit? (gasps) That's interesting. It's not about the length of time. Because if you're cooking every single day in a month. There's nothing magical about time passing with regard to habit formation. It doesn't matter if it's been 21 days or 30 days or 300 days. What matters is the rate at which you perform the behavior. Holy moly. Yeah. So your current habits have been internalized over the course of hundreds, if not thousands, of repetitions. And new habits require the same level of frequency. You just need to string together enough successful attempts until it's firmly embedded. So um, that's why it's crucial you make your habits so easy that you'll do them even when you don't feel like it. That's mm-hmm. the that's right. that first law that it's got to be easy. Because you've got to get in the reps. The greater the friction, the less the habit. So okay. he's got a couple. Um, I'll give you an example of a habit shaping to make it easy. Great. He talks about habit shaping. Please. He also talks about the two-minute rule and a couple other things. So read this book if you're into this. Great. I'm in. So here's an example of becoming vegan. Phase one, start eating vegetables at each meal. Okay. Mm-hmm. Phase two, stop eating animals with four legs. That's where I'm at. That's where Lisa is. Phase three, stop eating animals with two legs. Okay. Phase four, stop eating animals with no legs. That'd be all your fish, clams, scallops, et cetera. <laughs> Phase five, stop <laughs> eating all animal me. products. Yeah. So you're doing it little bit by little bit by little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so it's just the point is just to master the habit of showing up and little bit by little bit. Yeah. Um, Atomic. There's also ways to automate habits. So do it once and never have to think about it again. Like so what? Like, so like in like nutrition, buy a water filter to clean your drinking water. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for sleep, get blackout curtains. Right. Right. Rather than having to do something every night. Right. For productivity, unsubscribe from emails or turn your phone to silent. Do oh, you that's that? great. Yeah. And for saving, and I did this after we read yeah. I Will Teach You to Be Rich by Ramit Sethi. Yeah. Uh, I, I set on automatic investing just little bits each yep. week. So the fourth law, make it satisfying. We're more likely to repeat a behavior when the experience is satisfying. Conversely, if an experience is not satisfying, we have little reason to repeat it. If we want to break a habit. So cardinal rule of behavior change. What is rewarded is repeated. What is punished is avoided. Yeah. 
So the first three laws of behavior change make it obvious, attractive, and easy, increase the odds that a behavior will be performed this time. The fourth law change, make it satisfying, increases the odds that a behavior will be repeated next time. Okay. So it completes the habit loop. But there's a yeah. trick. We're not just looking for any type of satisfaction. We're looking for immediate okay. satisfaction. Okay. With our bad habits, the immediate outcome usually feels good, but the ultimate outcome feels bad. Uh, yeah. So with good that habits, feels right. <laughs> it's the reverse. The immediate outcome is unenjoyable, but the ultimate outcome feels good. So put it another way, the cost of your good habits are in the present and the cost of your bad habits are in the future. Okay. Um, and then the advanced tactics section, how to go from being merely good to being truly great. He talks about talent versus genes, motivation, and how you have to have deliberate practice. Otherwise, your habits will eventually lead to a decline in performance. It's good stuff, interesting stuff, and it's just Right, like you can't just run every single day you have to be like how's my pace how's my stride how are am i cross training that's right and that is the briefest overview of atomic habits i am super uh intrigued i'm really intrigued because mm -hmm. i want to know a lot more and mm -hmm. i'm not you did a great job and i'm not feeling satisfied by this yeah. because there's so much information i want to know yeah the book is Chalk, 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 chalk full. Uh, I'm going to ask our new favorite question, mm -hmm, Lisa. Mm -hmm. Did this book need to be written? Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I mean, I think it's nice that it's a cool amalgamation amalgamation yeah. of different disciplines. Um, and he's not trying to say anything new. He's just trying to synthesize, synthesize it, it um, Did, and you know, and kind of put it in a way that is useful. Yeah, it sounds crazy practical, Pat. There's no woo-woo. Not There's even a nary speck a woo. of it. Nary a nary woo. Nary a woo in the woo. That's right. Um, what did you put into practice from this book, if anything? Um, you know, I just looked more critically at the cues and in my environment of what I could alter in my environment of, like, where to place things to okay. help, to help um, habits. That's great. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like, for me, it's like an example comes to mind. It's like put out my running clothes or my sneakers the night before. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like I see them. Yeah. And they're out. Yeah. Makes it easy and obvious. Yeah. Something like that. Um, who's this book perfect for? Um, I think it's perfect for somebody who definitely has like a science mind. Mm. Um, You're looking at her. Yep. Uh, it's perfect for Misty. And I just think it's also perfect for somebody who feels like they can't ever form a habit and that it's their fault. Okay. Yeah. So you feel like this could actually be effective? You know, if somebody's just like, I don't know. I'm terrible with names. I'm, yeah. you know, and I can never clean my house. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, yeah. well, what if you think about it in a different way? Yeah. Manner? Okay. I love that. And who's this book terrible for? I mean, it would be very triggering for people recovering from an eating disorder because the constant yes. of like reference to weight and losing weight and needing to exercise is... Yeah. incessant. Um, and I, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a lot of editorial push on that. But, you know, that's the, uh, he's a victim of diet culture just like everybody else. Yeah. But you're self-aware. We're aware of this. I mean, you know what I mean? If we wrote a book, we wouldn't. Yeah. So, yeah. But also he's a white male who's have who has privilege and yeah, has... he doesn't get a pass in this case. Okay. Not, not on my watch. All right. Um, so what did this author get right? It sounds like we just covered what yeah. he got wrong. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I, you know, breaking it down into actionable, um, 
actionable steps. Like that's that's something that's cool. Giving yeah. you an action item is really cool. I really like that. And it sounds like he and you only mentioned it briefly, but like helps you track habits, mm-hmm. helps you become self aware of habits, the yeah, machinations just, of that. And it's not that he's doing that. He's really just saying, here's a way to do it. Right. Right. And then you you have to do it. Like doing it becomes a habit. Right. 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 And here's a way. Here are different ways to maybe yeah. work with your own brain. Yeah. I really love this. I'm going to read this book. Yeah. I, I mean, I think people will truly enjoy it. I love that. And so you've already given me my homework, which is this um, habit scorecard. Yes. Which I'm nervous and and intrigued you by. You know what? And you don't have to show it to me. I'm just yeah. curious to know what your experience is filling it out. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Everybody, let us know what you think. And if you've read this book and it's changed your life or you've tried everything on it and you're like, still didn't work. Yeah. Let us know. We're go help yourself podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And we really, I specifically really want to hear what your experience is with this because I'm going to try this too. Yeah. Okay, everybody. That's simple, sweet, not super short, but you get it. You know it. You get it. Life, life is, is abundant. abundant. Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less, was produced by Misty Stinnett, Lisa Linky, and Matt Sav. Our theme song was also written by Matt Sav. He's amazing. <laughs> do you want to get in touch? You do. Email us at gohelpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. And you know you can also find us on the social medias. Instagram at gohelpyourselfpodcast. Twitter at G-H-Y podcast, or check out our website, gohelpyourselfpodcast.com. And if you liked our podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes to help other people discover our show. It's really the least you can do. And why don't you tell all of your friends? Bye! Bye.